Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me today for Kingdom Rock Radio. It's a brand new season of programming, so I pray that you're ready to dive into the rich Word of God. Here's a sample of today's broadcast. Hidden down deep in us, and we think that we're past that. Now we're in a church, we're saying, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, and we're feeling pretty good. But every once in a while, you feel like crying, and you don't know why. Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I greet you again in that glorious, matchless, and majestic name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope in Christ. And I'm glad that you've tuned in today for more Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we'll be speaking from the subject of Hope Beyond Emotional Distress. Where is your safe place? Let me tell you now, the safest place that any of us can be is in the presence of the Lord. As you know, this world is going through some tough times, but there is hope beyond our emotional distress. God does have an answer for you, and no matter how it looks, you're going to be okay as you put your faith and trust in the Lord. So we do pray that you would enjoy this message. Now, after you finish hearing today's message, just send us an email. Let us know how the message is blessing you and how the ministry is blessing you. We would love to hear from you. So send your comments and your prayer requests to media at kingdomrock.org. That's media, M-E-D-I-A, at kingdomrock.org. We will be glad to hear from you. All right, sit back, relax, and buckle your seatbelts. Because, you guessed it, here comes the rich word of God. Amen, everybody. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we do, I do thank the Lord Jesus for all of you here today. Um, I had to run out earlier this morning to take care of some business, and I did not intend uh, to miss the day, praise the Lord. Um, but I believe that the Lord has something very special for you. I know you've been praying all day. You've been seeking the face of the Lord all day. Just allow me a moment. I want to take off my jacket. Ooh. Ooh, what happens when he takes off his jacket? Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this awesome time, this awesome conference that you have allowed to take place in this city. We ask you, Lord, to speak expressly by your spirit. Use me as your oracle to proclaim your word to your people. Let souls be saved, healed, and delivered. Touch even now in Jesus' name. Let every heart say amen. Amen. As I mentioned a moment ago, I know you, a lot of you have been here um, from this morning, and some may be a little bit fatigued in body, but I believe that we are filled with energy in the spirit. Amen? Amen. And uh, it, is, uh, it is not my intent to be uh, long before you. I just want to give you what the Lord has to say, and then I'll go and Sit down somewhere in here. Amen. Is that all right? Can we do that? Before we start, give your neighbor a high five and tell them I'm glad to see you here. 
Give him a good high five. Glad to see you here in the name of the Lord. I know you've hugged and I'm so glad to see you here. The Lord turns our attention tonight to the book of First Kings, the 19th chapter. First Kings, the 19th chapter. Very, very, very familiar uh, verses of scripture. Very familiar. But as I have sought the Lord and uh, he, as he has spoken to me, and, and I love being a student in his classroom, he shows me things that I've never seen before. And I love when he does that. I just love it. I have to jump up sometime and slap myself, I'm telling you. I just love when he does that. I love when the Lord gives me words. He gives me a word so that, I mean, I'm preaching in the shower. I'm preaching going down the road. I'm just saying, oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. I just love it when he speaks. I just do. Praise the Lord. So you have to forgive me tonight. Forgive me if I jump up and do a little cartwheel. Just say, bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. I'll eventually come back down again. All right, First Kings. I say First Kings, the nineteenth chapter. Very familiar scripture. Now tonight we'll be speaking, uh, we're speaking from the, uh, the subject, uh, hope beyond emotional distress. Where is your safe place? Hope beyond emotional distress. There is hope beyond emotional distress. Before we get to First Kings, let's deal with that for a second. What is distress? Distress is simply uh, being troubled. Uh, it is being unhappy emotionally. Now, emotional pain is different from physical pain. It's different from mental pain, right? When you are uh, uh, troubled in body, you can't really cover that up. If your leg is gone, your leg is gone. You can't really cover that up, right? Uh, mentally, when we're uh, having mental battles, eventually we're, we're going to see it. I mean, you can't really cover that up. Those with some uh, having uh, mental problems, you can't really cover it up. And sometimes we can look normal, we can look fine, but then other times people say, hmm, there is something not quite right. There's a, you're a, few, a few fries short of a Happy Meal, right? Just the elevator didn't go quite up to the top. So there's something there. We need to pray about that. Amen. But emotional distress is different from physical and mental. Emotional distress, when we are emotionally troubled or emotionally unhappy, we can hide that a little bit better from others, at least for a time. And we can have pockets of emotional pain or emotional troubles uh, that can stay hidden within us for years. Something, something traumatic that has happened to us in childhood or something traumatic that has happened to us uh, in marriage or something traumatic that has happened uh, on the job or wherever. And it can be so strong, so much of a trauma that it's hidden down deep in us. And we think that we're past that. Now we're in a church, we're saying, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, and we're feeling pretty good. But every once in a while, you feel like crying and you don't know why. I'm talking to somebody here today. I know it. Every once in a while, you feel like crying and you have no idea why you want to cry. Every once in a while, we get angry, so angry, 
and you don't know why. Why am I angry? Why do I feel like crying? Why? Why? The kids are fine. My house is fine. Men's is fine. I got a little bit of money. I got a little bit of job. But I don't know what's wrong with me. Emotional distress. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We can't get a hold of that. Now, emotional distress, of course, emotions are found right there in the soul. So that is the the very depths, the very deep part of you, the very deep part, emotions. And it takes the Holy Spirit to really get in there and mine that out, really dig that out. He really has to have surgery to pull that out of you. Emotional distress. If a, a husband or if a wife... Uh, and they've had if they've had some trouble together and and the wife can say, and I thank God for my wife, praise the Lord. I thank God for all the wives in here. Bless the Lord. We can have problems one with another and we think we patched it up and everything is OK. And the husband, we're, of course, we're not as deep sometimes so we can get hit and just go on. Doesn't make a difference. But. The wife is a wonderful being. She can, she has several layers, several layers, several layers. And maybe like an onion, maybe that's why I cry sometimes when I'm around mine. I don't know. No. Several layers. And we think that we have gone to the bottom of it. When in essence, there's another layer. There's another layer. There's another layer. There's another layer. And there are many women, regardless of their wives or not, there are many women or many individuals, some men can be more emotional than others, that have layers of pain. You think we have dealt with this thing. We think it's all over. But then we get in the right place under the right scenario in the right situation and feel that pain all over again. I want to know what I'm talking about in here. We experience emotional distress. And here again, only the Holy Spirit can show you that and pull that out of you. We can go to therapy. We can talk to everybody until we blew in the face. But until the Spirit of God shows you, here's a spot. Here's something that you missed. Like I have a a, a seven-year-old. He tries to clean his room best he can. The best he can, you know, best he can, he'd go in there, he'd do some things. Then you got to show him, okay, no, you missed this over here. You missed that over here. You missed this over here. There's only so much that we can do. It takes the Spirit of God who sees everything, who can search the deep parts of you to show you what's really in you. And once that spot is revealed, then freedom comes. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. Emotional distress. Where's your safe place? We'll talk about that. Now let's go into 1 Kings. 1 Kings, uh, the Bible says, now this is, of course, after the big, uh, the big showdown with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, right? Uh, he told them, well, people of God, you don't know. I mean, I'm telling you, this Baal thing is bad. God is good. This Baal thing is bad. They say, well, we don't know what we're going to do. Tell you what, let's make an altar here. And you make one, let the prophets of Baal make their altar over there. And uh, whoever the God is that answers by fire, of course, we'll let him be God. Right? Right. 
They said, yeah, that's a great idea. So props to Bill, you know, the count, they go over there, they rip, they rend their clothes, they cut themselves and do all those things and uh, nothing happens. It comes over to our side, to the Lord's side. Elijah has his altar there and all that stuff. He tells them to put water on it. And then, of course, you know, fire comes down, boom, and licks up all the water and all the good stuff and everything as well. People say, yes. That's true. We remember now, God is God, isn't he? He is God. He really is God. We ought to serve him, right? So then he tells, uh, well, bring up the prophets of Baal. Let's kill them right here. Clip, 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 dead, died, done. So we thought. But then in Second King, rather, 1 Kings 19, we take it up here. And Ahab told Jezebel, all that, now I'll be reading to you out of the King James Version. We know, I know we have a lot of versions, but I, I like King James and New King James. That I kind of stick with them, but I also like others too, So, but tonight King James. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which uh, belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Now, I've just read to you verses one through number four, right? Now, let me read it to you. Are you ready for this? I want you to see some things. Verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel. Now we know what part Jezebel is playing here, right? She's one of the, the, the ringleaders of that cult. There, you know, that's how she gets some, some of her name, Jezebel or Jezebel. I mean, she's with that thing all together. And she is definitely personifies a seducing spirit. I'll pray you with me. She is a seduct a seductress. Help me, help me, help me. A seduct. There we go. Praise the Lord. We thank God for the anointing. She has the ability to seduce. Are you with me? Now, come on. I'll just be just a moment. You got to go with me. So Ahab told the lady that has the ability to seduce. Jezebel, all that Elijah had done. So she's reporting, he, Ahab, is reporting to her what Elijah had just done. Elijah, he told her, honey, Elijah just killed all the prophets. Everyone that was pushing that religion that you so love, he just killed all of them. Honey, he just calls the people of God to repent and turn their hearts back toward God. Honey, I'm telling you, that's what just happened. He just prayed and rain came down. So also the halls of hell got notice, took notice 
of what this man of God had just done to the kingdom of Satan. And they took notice of it, and they weren't going to take it sitting down. Case in point, when you do something mighty and wonderful for the Lord, and people begin to repent and give their hearts to the Lord, he's not going to just sit back. Now notice what she does in verse number 2. Then Jezebel sent a what? A messenger. Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elisha. Now, notice what the enemy does. Now, we're talking about emotional distress here. You've got to get this. I'm going to jump up two or three times in a minute. Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah. A messenger is an ambassador or one that carries a word, one that carries the thought or intent uh, from the one who sent it. Jezebel, immediately having heard the news, sends forth a word. She sends a messenger, one that would convey her heart or intent to another. I pray you're with me. This is what she does to strike fear in the heart of the man of God. This is what happens in the halls of hell. How can I stop him? How can I stop her from doing what they are doing for the kingdom of God? How? I will send them a word. Now, notice Jezebel did not send soldiers. She did not send anyone with spears, knives, guns, machetes, tanks, you name it. She just sent a word to him. And isn't that what strikes so much fear in us and binds us and causes us great uh, stress and distress when we hear a word? It hasn't even happened yet. Who knows if it will happen? But it is the very fault that this could happen to you that causes us to shake, that causes us to quake. It's just words that causes us deep emotional stress and anxiety. They told you you weren't this, that, the other. They told you you'd be just like your granddaddy. They told you you'd be just like your uncle. They told you you're good for nothing. They told you you never amount to anything. Just words. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So how does the enemy cause you to stop? He'll send a word. He'll send a messenger to give you a word. See, he perverts what God does. God sends messengers. We call them angels. We call them angels. He sends a messenger to give you a word from him, from his presence that is designed to build you up, to lift you up, to bring you to another level. Well, the enemy perverts that thing and decides, well, I'm going to send him a word too, send her a word too. Now, let me give you this short word of testimony. Uh, because the enemy knows what God is bringing forth in you, what he's going to do in you. He does not know the future, but he can recognize and does recognize patterns. Patterns. He's seen enough people that God has raised up from small uh, to make a great impact for the kingdom of God. He's seen that over the decades, over the millennia. He's seen that happen and knows the patterns now. In those patterns, he knows that God likes to work in family lines. 
in the bloodlines. He knows that. That's why you find a lot of people in one family there, they're singers. They, their mama sang, their grandmama sang, their great, great granddaddy sang. They, they, you find a long line of this, a long line of dancers. You find a line of preachers. There's somebody in the family that has been doing this, that, and the other. Are you with me? So when the enemy sees patterns, he can't tell your future, but he can see, he can guess, make a good guess of what you're going to be before you even get started. That's why he sends destruction at your birth. Praise the Lord. He didn't know what Moses would do. He just knew that God's going to send somebody. So let's try to wipe them all out. He didn't know exactly who would be Messiah or Christ. So let's go and try to wipe them all out. He didn't know exactly. All he knew was that somebody was going to come and mess up his stuff. Same thing with you. That's why some of your mothers had problems in the pregnancy with you. Because he knew. Something, God's going to do something in this bloodline. That's why when some of you were small, they dropped you on the head. Okay, praise the Lord. He knew that something was going to happen in the bloodline. That's why some of us in elementary school and preschool had difficulties. Accidents and all these things began to happen because he knew that there was something in the bloodline. Now, getting to my personal my person word testimony from a young man, uh, as early as I can think of in elementary school, I had a bad stuttering problem, bad stuttering problem. When it came to speaking in front of a group, I couldn't do it, Sister Joy. I could not do it. The most vivid mini- me- memory that I have of, of stammering, it was in my seventh grade class. Oh, and the teacher would say, okay, we're going to read today. We're going to read today. So we're going to go around the class and have each person to read. Boy, I can't tell you what that was like for me. We're going to do what today? Oh, my goodness. It started up front. Boom. It's like a slow guillotine. Boom. 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 Oh, God. Boom. Boom, boom, was coming around to me. Boom, 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 boom. And it finally got around to me, and it came my time to read, and I said, oh, Jane, went, and then the class would just bust out laughing. Boy, boy, they would laugh. That would be funny time when it came time for Mark to read. Oh, they called him all day, Mark. Call me out. Oh, God, he come all day, Mark. He going to try to read again. Oh, but see, I realized that it wasn't a physical disorder. It was an emotional disorder because I could speak to other people. This is clearly. Speak to them. This is clearly outside the playground. Never say one stammering word. Speak to the teachers, speak to my parents, whoever. But when it came time to speaking in front of people, I couldn't do it. It was like the enemy or someone had taken their hand and put it on my throat. And I could not get out a word. I would tremble and shake so bad. Well, that happened in elementary school. Went on, follow me on up into high school. And there I am in high school trying to do a class presentation. 
And I'm thinking they're going to laugh at me again. They're going to they're going to laugh at me again. They're going to laugh. They're going to laugh. They're going to laugh. And it grew and it grew and it got stronger and it's stronger and it's stronger. And the hand of the enemy gripped me so tight I could barely I could barely think or breathe. I can't talk in front of people. Don't put me up in front of anybody. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Got so bad. My Spanish teacher, we had to have a. Uh, had to do our Spanish presentations. And she said, everybody learn a Spanish verse. And you got to come up here, come up front, and you got to say it before the class. Oh, oh my God. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. I went to her. Please. Her name was Miss Nabrick. Please, Miss Nabrick, please don't make me go up there. Please, please, please. Can I say it to somebody in the hallway? She had mercy on me and said yes. And so a little girl named Lisa went out in the hallway with me, real nice girl. God bless them both where they are. We went on the hallway, and I said it to her, my Spanish verse to her. And we came back in the room, and the teacher looked at her. Did he say it? Yes, okay. And did he say it? Okay, yes, okay. Then we gave him a passing grade. I was just that terrified. And they saw the fear. My teacher saw. They knew. And one day... Uh, Miss Gray, my National Honor Society um, sponsor, she had the bright idea of asking me to speak in front of the entire student body, give a little speech. I mean, some uh, something was written, and I thought, what? Lady, I'm having a problem with 30 people in the classroom. You and me talking from the a population of over 2,000 people in my high school. You want me to do what? I've been doing pretty good disguising my weakness. Don't ask me to do this now. But I had to. So I get up there. I'm shaking. You know, in the background, my mama's been telling me about pleading the blood of Jesus. I cannot say that I was saved. I was not saved. I didn't know what saved was. A uh, young, young lady in class asked me one day in the hallway, Angela, Angela Steed, I remember her. She asked me, Mark, are you saved? I said, what? What are you talking about? What's, what's that? Say, save what, what, what? Bell rang and then we never finished that conversation. W- what is saved? Uh, she said, you know, you go to church. I said, I go to church every once in a while. What? Bell rang, that's it. So my mom began to teach me about pleading the blood because I would have a lot of nightmares. And I knew that pleading the blood of Jesus made those monsters go away. And so here it goes. Time for me to, to say something in the program in, in the gym and over 2,000 young people. Whew, whew, oh, blood, blood. What is it? Blood, Jesus, blood, blood. Please, 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 please. And so I get up there in front of the microphone there and. And all the children are talking. You know how they do. They're talking, talking. And I just stood there for a moment. All of a sudden, everybody got quiet. And then I, uh, and it went ahead. It came out. Bless the Lord. It came out. It came out. It came out. I came down, oh, thank God, I was so drained. Anybody been under so much intense emotional stress or distress, it makes it affects your body, and you feel so tired afterwards. 
so tired. And, and I came down, my teacher, my sponsor said, see, I told you guys stage fright if you didn't do the I'm like, well, no, I, I read it. It wasn't stage fright. It was something else. Follow me up into my college years. College professor reading in uh, the group. Oh, God, I can't do this. But somewhere along the line, I met a man named Jesus and was filled with this Holy Spirit. And he gave me the ability to speak in front of a group. Are you with me? Now, some people, I give a testimony and they think, no, I can't see that happening. You don't have to. I lived it. I know it. But even on up into my adult life, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, even the Lord gave me great victory over the pulpit with a microphone in my hand. We can get back to you, Elijah. Calm down. He gave me great victory over the pulpit with a microphone. But behind the scenes, the enemy was still trying to deceive me, keeping me in darkness, thinking that it wasn't quite over. I could speak in the pulpit with a mic. I could pray. But in back rooms with other preachers, oh, they're bigger. They got bigger ministries. And and the same thing would try to choke me again. I would go through a McDonald's drive-thru by myself sometime. and, And, you know, the little speakers there. And the thought hit me. If you say something over this speaker, they're going to hear you in the store. And, uh, big, 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 big. I just pulled on up to the window and told later what I wanted. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It wasn't a physical problem. And it wasn't mental. It was an emotional problem. Something that had grabbed a hold of me in early years and I couldn't shake it so the Lord gave me victory here when did he begin to give me victory all the way around on the day that he told me I'm the same God with you in the pulpit as I am with you outside of the pulpit I began to understand yes 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 I began to say yes he was willing to anoint me not only to speak here but I knew I needed the anointing to speak out here I need the anointing to tell people my name. Most things that people take for granted. I would get up in some meetings, some highfalutin meetings, and have to, have to, have to go around the room, tell your name, and tell what ministry you're with. Oh, boy. The enemy comes back up again. Remember what I did to you? And I had to remember. No, God delivered me from that. And I began to learn to pull on the anointing. The same anointing I was pulling on in the pulpit was the same anointing I was pulling on in my seat to get up and to say my name. I began to learn to pull on that anointing. It's just not a pulpit anointing. But it's an anointing that will take you through everyday life. Are you with me? Emotional distress. Now, Elijah, now I've got maybe another... 15 minutes or so, I believe. Elisha was under emotional distress now. There was nothing physical. Are you with me? This was emotional. Listen, uh, then Jezebel sent a messenger saying 
let not rather uh, so let the gods do to me and more also if i make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time now a lot of translations pick this up that that she's talking about i'm going to kill you by tomorrow this time if let the gods do to me and worse if i don't kill you if i don't kill you like you kill them but I want you to see what it says in the this word for word translation. Notice how it says, let these things happen to me. She said, let these gods do to me. Let all that stuff happen to me and more. If I do not make your life like the life of those that you have dealt with. She's saying, I'm going to make your life. Like the life of those. In other words, I am going to, of course, now we know uh, in the end message of it, she's talking about death. But she says, I'm going to make your life like those. Now, all the prophets of Baal uh, didn't just get up one day and decide, decide to do that. A lot of the prophets of Baal were also men of God who were flipped, who were seduced to the dark side. Some of them were uh, God's priests that were seduced to the dark side. Are you with me? They were seduced. They were serving the Lord. Now they're serving Baal. Some of them. Are you with me? Now, how do we know that? Let me show you. Look here at verse number 18. Uh, now, this is, of course, we know that Elijah goes into the wilderness. And I won't get into all that day because we do not have the time. But he speaks to the Lord. And he says, Lord, just go ahead and knock me out of here. Just go ahead and kill me. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 18 says, and this is how the Lord responds to them. He said, Elijah said, well, I'm the only one here. And uh, verse 18 says, yet I have, the Lord talking to him, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. I got 7,000 more men. Elijah, it's not just you. I got more, right? Isn't that what he's saying? All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal. And every mouth which have not kissed him. Some of God's men, some of God's pastors, some of God's preachers had bowed the knee to Baal. Some of them had kissed him. He said, I got some that haven't done that and there's some that have done that. She was telling him by this time tomorrow, I'm going to make your life like the life of those. Not just kill but I'm going to seduce you. I'm going to turn you, make you like them. I want you to see this. Now look further in here. It says, and verse number three, and we'll begin to close out here. Verse three says, and when he saw that, it doesn't say when he read that. It doesn't say when he heard that. It says when he saw that. Anybody know that there's a difference between seeing, hearing, and reading? It says when he saw that. Her words, her words produced a picture, produced an image, and it gravitated to the inside of him. He realized that there may be something in me that she can get a hold of. There may be something in me. So he decided to do like our friend Joseph did when he was being seduced. I'm going to get out of here. Are you with me? Now, some translations say that uh, 
Elijah, once he heard the word, he got up and he fled for his life. He was fearing that she was going to kill him. That's why he left. He feared that she was going to kill him. He feared that she was going to take his life. He feared that he was going to die. He feared that he was going to die. That's why he left. But why would a man fear, why would a man who's fearing he's going to die run out into the wilderness and then ask God to kill him? Anybody hearing me today? Because he sat there and said, God, take my life now. So if I was fearing death, why would I ask God to take my life? No, it was something else that he saw. It wasn't death that he saw. It was something else that he saw, something else that attached itself to the inside, something else that he knew that this could be possible, that I could be turned like this. This could be possible, that this spirit could seduce me. This could be possible. And so he said, I got to get out of here. And what did he do? He left that place and he went to Beersheba and he left his servant there at that place. Stay here. I've got to get somewhere all by myself and have a talk with the Lord. And one of the things he said, he said, Lord, I've had enough. I've had enough now. Go ahead and take my life. I've had enough now. In other words, Lord, I would rather you receive my life now than than me turn to something else that is displeasing unto you i wonder is anybody hearing that i would rather you take me now than me get back on drugs like i used to be i would rather you take me now than enemy tip me and i go out and and do all these other things that i used to do i don't want to be that person that man anymore hallelujah Because listen, abstinence is not deliverance. Just because we haven't done something in a while does not mean we haven't been, does not mean that we've been delivered. Only the Holy Spirit can take it out of you. And that's deliverance. Given the right amount of circumstances, the right amount of pressure, the right amount of time, the right moment, if we're not delivered, that thing will come right back up again. Oh, yes. I don't care how high on the cloud, high on the, high on the kite we are and what cloud number we're on, given that right time, that fire of dart can go all the way through your defenses and find this mark. Boom! That's why when the Lord Jesus said, he told his disciples, hey, boys, I'm going to go away. The prince's world is coming, but don't worry, he got nothing in me. There's nothing in me that he can attach to. There's nothing in me that he can seduce. Oh, but Peter, you got problems, son. You, 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 got, you got problems. He's coming after you because he found something in you. Lord, I ain't going to do it. Okay, okay, okay. Before the rooster cries three times, you know, you're going you're gonna to deny me. Lord, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it. Okay. Warming himself by a fire, begins to cuss and fuss and all that stuff, and, and, and denying the Lord Jesus. Why? Because here's a cert- certain circumstance that is now, he's now under that pressure. He's now under pressure, and I'm sure for about three years he hadn't been cussing or fussing. But now, here we are by the fire with all this pressure, and now what's on the inside, what's been there, what was still there, has now come up. I pray you're hearing. I pray you're hearing me. 
And see, that's why Paul said, I, I can't boast about my salvation. I, I can't boast. I can't boast about living right, about living holy. It's not me, but it's God that's holding me up. He's holding me up on the inside. I know what's in me. I know what dwells in me. And if you see me living right and walking right and doing right, it's because of him, it's not me. I can't boast. Because I realize that uh, uh, the right thing comes at the, at the wrong time, then whoop, there I go again. But it's the mercy of God, the, the grace of God that holds me up. At least I fall. Are you with me? So he saw something. He saw something. And one way we're going to get out of this emotional distress and get to our safe place is to realize. Now, his safe place was the wilderness. And by the way, God did honor his prayer. He said, Lord, it's enough. I'm done with this. Take me on. God honored his prayer because further on down, he said, all right, here's what, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to go and anoint a new king, first of all. And then I want you to find a man by the name of Elisha. You're going to anoint him prophet in your stead. And I'm going to, I'll send a car for you so you can come on up here. Anybody, you, you hear what I'm saying? I'll send a car down for you. You know, it'd be like a chair with fire. You know, you're going to get on and come on up here. So you said you're done? You're done. I'll bring you up. But I believe his ministry was cut short. He asked. And God said, all right. It's enough, God. It's enough. I'm throwing in the towel. It's enough. It's enough. I can't take it anymore. Get me out of here. But Elijah, there's so much more for you to do. I'm through. All right, anointing new king, find Elisha, work on him a bit, and you come on home. But I don't believe that. I believe you'll return again as one of the two witnesses in the end. Praise the Lord, Revelation, we won't get there. We won't get into that. But where's our safe place? Where's your safe place? Emotional distress is going to come again. Hello. It's going to come again. It just assures you're sitting there. Looking, some may be sleeping, it's coming again. And the thing that we got to realize is what are we going to do when it comes? Don't ask to cut your ministry short because there are people that still need you. But what we need to think about, we need to think about why God called us. Think about purpose. Let me give you some peas. Think about the purpose. If you don't know your purpose in that moment... You're going to ask to get out of there, and you're going to cut your ministry short if you don't focus on your purpose. If you don't focus focus on God's plan for you. If you haven't gotten with God before then, you're going to miss out on that. Purpose and plan. Of course, also there, while you're in your safe place, you're going to have to pray. That is, commune with God. Talk to Him. And don't come up with this, Our Father. Oh, wise God, I know how awesome you are. No, you need to tell him, Lord, look, I'm through with this stuff. These people get on my nerve down here. Help me out, Lord. Help me out. Help a brother out, would you please? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Forget all the fancy smancy stuff and talk to him because your life is on the line. Are you with me? Pray. Really, truly talk to him. Get in his pray, praise. Begin to praise him. And get in his presence. And God will send you an angel that will feed you and give you strength for a journey. Give you strength to go a little bit further. 
What do angels bring? Angels bring a message. An angel is a messenger, right? A message is simply a word. Don't you know God? Anybody ever got a word one time and you're really just down, down, down? You know what you're going to do, but the Lord sent a word and it revived you. Anybody been like that before? And that word revived you and gave you the strength to go on. I'm here to tell you that God has greatness on the inside of every last one of you in this room. But don't let the pain of, of the pain of the stress, don't let those inward turmoils cut your ministry short. God has great things for you. Get to your safe place. Brother Crawford did a great job on that uh, on Friday night. Get the message. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to re-preach it. Get to your safe place. Get to that place where you know that you can commune and talk to God. Strip yourself down. Now, don't do that in the public, okay? <laughs> I'm not talking about what you clothes. I'm talking about you emotionally. Let it all hang out. Let it all hang loose. Get some tissue if you have to. Let the tears go and the mucus and all that. Praise the Lord. And just get down with him. That's your safe place. Bone to bone, talk to him. The stress is coming. But God has already foreordained that you'll be victorious through it. But part of defeating that distress is also knowing your weaknesses. Knowing your weaknesses. What is that, what is that soft place in your armor? What is, that, what is your Achilles heel? What is that? Because that is where the enemy is going to hit you again. And we need to seek God for full deliverance in that. Because when we're fully delivered, it's gone. And when he comes again, he'll have nothing in you. And if he has nothing in you, he can't pull you around. See, when he got something in you, he can pull you around. He can make folks steal from their parents. He can make people steal from their friends to get something, to do something. He can make you lie, cheat, steal, and all this other stuff, trying to... Trying to get a desire met, a want met, a craving met. He can pull you if he finds something in you. Are you with me? But have hope today. Because we have the greatest surgeon that is able to reach into you and pull that out. And you want him to pull that out before the day of distress comes. Because it is coming. But in that day, you will be so glad that you already had surgery. How many of you want to have surgery today in the name of the Lord? To pull that out of you. Now, I've got to do one thing. Well, praise the wonderful name of Jesus. We pray that you are blessed by today's message and that you are richly encouraged. On behalf of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center, we would like to invite you out to Sunday Morning Sunday School. It starts at 9 a.m. Sunday Morning Worship starts at 10. Come expecting a miracle. Wednesday night is dinner and Bible study. Dinner starts at 6.15 with Bible study starting at 7. All are welcome. Come out and enjoy the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ under the anointing of His precious Spirit. Kingdom Rock is located at 180 Hilton Road, 
in Bremen, Georgia. Stop by and see us sometimes. To learn more about our ministry, give us a call at 770-537-1933. That number again, 770-537-1933. Or just log on to our website 24 hours a day at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. We'll be glad to hear from you. And if you'd like to partner with me to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world, just let us know, because partnership has its advantages. Until next time, this has been Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for Kingdom Rock Radio. Tune in again for the rich word of the Lord. Always remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way. We'll see you this Sunday at 10 a.m. at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia.